You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Well, Galatians 3 says this, For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, I was thinking about all the various emotions that people might have as we prepare to come back together. Next week, we're back in person, in the flesh. So how are we feeling about that? I suspect that there'll be a real range of emotions across our church and even within each one of us. First of all, I think there'll be excitement. We've been waiting for this a long time. We have had almost 60 Sundays in lockdown over the past 18 months. That's quite extraordinary. Yes, we've had online options, the digital service, then this Zoom service, and they've been good, but they haven't been good enough. They're not the same because we were made to be together, physically together. Just the other day, you would have seen that Facebook came out with their big new vision for the future, augmented reality technology, what Mark Zuckerberg calls the metaverse. One newspaper described it like this. It's a space where digital representations of people, avatars, interact at work and play, meeting in their office, going to concerts and even trying on clothes. At the centre of this universe will be virtual reality, a digital world that you can already enter via Facebook's Oculus VR headsets. And then Zuckerberg, talking with that unique robotic version of excitement that he's perfected, says this, when I send my parents a video with my kids, they're going to feel like they're right in the moment with us, not peering through a little window. We'll be able to feel present, like we're right there with people, no matter how far apart we actually are. When I read this, I thought to myself, really? Do you really think it'll feel like that? And more than to the point, do you really think that people would want this and choose this over being physically in the flesh present with each other? I mean, if there's one thing that we've learned over the past 18 months, it's that there's nothing better than being physically next to someone and yet you can't fake physical presence. I mean, I'm sure this technology will be amazing, better than anything we've seen previously, but it won't be as good as the real thing. We won't feel present because we won't be present. And that's what's been so good about the past few weeks, seeing people in the flesh. Uh, Our family had some great family times together through lockdown. We had a couple of Zoom sessions, playing games and showing off the kids' Lego projects. That was nice, but it wasn't enough. So on the first weekend that we could, we all met together and it was so good. Being together in person is what we need as humans. And I think that's particularly the case for the church. You see, it makes sense if we feel the distance when we're apart because we are the body of Christ. That's how Paul talks about us. Romans 12, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. When you become a Christian, this is what you enter into. You don't just become a Christian, single and isolated. You become part of the body of Christ, part of this larger thing. And that's why we need to be together. I mean, sure, we can still see the body while we're apart. And and I've seen all kinds of wonderful examples of people using their gifts over the past few months, supporting each other, loving each other, breaking down the barriers of distance. 
doing all that they can to be the family of God and the body of Christ. But there's something special when we come together, when we see the body of Christ in one place. In that moment, we're given a visual reminder of who we are and what Christ has done. We're all different from different cultures, different backgrounds, with different ages and stages. We don't agree on everything. We might have different politics, different priorities, different theologies even. But we all stand and sing together because we are united by Christ and what he has done for us. We're united because we're sinners saved by what Jesus has done and brought together to be his family, the body of Christ. You see, in a quite unique way, Christianity is a physical religion. We worship a God who took on flesh and dwelt among us. God made the God that made the physical makes us physical beings, a God who literally gave his life and rose again. Christ has now ascended to heaven, but now he wants us to be his ongoing presence in the world, a manifestation of his character in the world. As one writer puts it, members of the body of Christ are the physical representation of Christ in this world. The church is the organism through which Christ manifests his life to the world today. We are the people of the God who made this world, and we are the people through whom God works in this world. We go into the physical world to make disciples and to be the church. I love the diversity that we have in him and the way that we get to see this together. I always remember Daniel Gary talking about one of his gospel community socials once. For a bit of fun, they decided they'd go to Bounce, one of those trampoline play centre thingies, and there were all ages there, young and old, and, and some bloke was watching this and said, how do you know each other? Like, what on earth are you all doing? You all look so different. What are you all doing here together, this random collection of humanity? And Daniel's response was, oh, we're Christians. And that explains it, doesn't it? We are many, but we are one. We are the body of Christ. And so I'm really excited to experience that again, and I'm sure you are too. And yet I can also imagine that many of us will be anxious as well. See, we are entering uncertain times, a new experience, living with COVID. I think COVID-19 has been a very strange kind of experience for Australians. It's defined our existence for the past two years, and yet most of us will still have had very little first-hand knowledge of it. We've always either lived in lockdown or we've had COVID zero. So there's been no cases for long stretches of time. That means that either the virus hasn't been around us or we haven't been around the virus. And so it's still quite distant from us. Just 0.6% of Australians have had COVID, at least by the official stats. It's double that in Victoria, 1.3%. But until recently, many of us will not have known uh, many people who've had it but that is starting to change. Uh, Melbourne is opening up even as the virus spreads among us. Last Thursday, the day before things reopened, there were almost 2,000 cases and 25 deaths reported. Today, there were just under 1,200 cases, and we're getting that pretty much every day. Thankfully, those numbers are trending down, but we can expect five to 10 deaths most days from now on, and that's pretty confronting. In a country where just one case has been enough to close borders and to shut down cities, and a death is kind of seen as a moral failing of the government somehow, this is a strange period for us to be living through. So it's not surprising 
if you're feeling anxious, if you come out of lockdown feeling a bit nervous and a bit cautious. In a sense, it's almost like we're starting our pandemic now. And in the midst of this, I think we need to have a realistic view of things. See, because so few of us have seen the virus, I think we have an unrealistic view of it. We don't know how horrible it can be, but we also don't know how many people survive it. As of yesterday, 1,805 Australians have died from COVID. This is very sad, of course, but it is important to put that into perspective. That number represents just 1% of all Australians to have had COVID. That means that 99% of people who get COVID survive it. It's also worth noting that the vast majority of these deaths have been among the elderly. The median age of someone who dies from COVID in Australia is 84. Now, that's not to discount its lethality among the elderly. Uh, If you get it when you're over 80, there's a 1 in 12 chance that you would die. But thankfully, this is a virus that affects younger people much, much less. In fact, if you're 40 and you've got COVID, you would have around about a 1 in 1,500 chance of dying. Uh, Mercifully, this is also a virus that barely touches children. Four out of kids who get COVID don't show any clinical symptoms. Of those who do have symptoms, about 1% end up in hospital. Uh, Writing in The Age last week, epidemiologist Ewan Cameron suggests that just 13 in 10,000 kids will end up in hospital because of COVID. It seems to me then, in terms of pandemics, God has mercifully spared us from a really horrible one. I was just watching a documentary on the Spanish flu the other day because that's, you know, what better way to relax during a pandemic than to watch something about another pandemic. This was a dreadful disease. 40 to 50 million people died in a couple of years. That was more than the people who died in World War I and 10 times the current death toll of COVID. And they had pretty much nothing to defend themselves. In this documentary, they're talking about how they, they would be kind of snake oil salesmen offering these uh, mythical remedies for it or primitive medical methods like bloodletting and brandy. But we have so much more good treatments in hospital and, of course, a remarkable vaccine. I think about this, though. I feel like we almost both underrate the vaccines and overrate them. We underrate them in that we underestimate just how good they are. Uh, the most, the people most anxious about opening up are the people most protected, the vaccinated, because the vaccines really do reduce our chance of getting the virus. They reduce our chance of passing it on, and they reduce our chance of getting seriously ill and dying. As the infectious diseases physician, Professor Peter Collingman says, you might have a mild fever for a day or two and you'll feel a bit under the weather. That's what you can expect if you get it. And we can be so thankful to God for this, to praise God for the gifts and ingenuity that he has given people to constrain the damage of this disease for those who are vaccinated. And yet at the same time, I think we almost overrate the vaccines as well. Yes, they reduce the chance of us getting the virus and passing it on, but they don't remove that. And we're going to have to get used to that. Just last week, there was an outbreak in a gym in Sydney. Gyms in Sydney are restricted to people who are fully vaccinated. A recent study in Lancet, the respected medical journal, found that a fully vaccinated person is almost as likely to get the virus from a household contact and is just as contagious in their peak infectious period. It's going to be hard for Australians to grasp this. 
so long we've been told that vaccines are the key to just avoiding getting this. And so people will feel anxious when they start to realise how these things work. Now, this doesn't mean at all that I'm anti-vaccine. On the contrary, I actually think this is a really good reason to get the vaccine. Up to now, the virus has been out there, but you probably haven't encountered it. Soon, however, that will change and this virus will be far more prevalent and you'll want to have the protection it can offer. Take Singapore as an example. They've got a very similar population to Melbourne. They've been almost as successful as Australia in minimising COVID. Up till August this year, they'd had only 55 deaths in the entire pandemic. But then they started to open up and things changed. Over September and October, they've had a pretty big outbreak of uh, cases of around 3,000 cases a day until recently. And it's among both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. In fact, I was looking at some stats from the Department of Health that showed that in September, 52% of their cases were among people who were fully vaccinated. But here's the thing. Of those fully vaccinated people who got the disease, 98% either had no symptoms or mild symptoms. To me, that's a great reason to get the jab. The virus will be around much more, but you'll be far more protected. And I say all of this because we need to be realistic we need also to start to dial back the anxiety that we've all felt. Professor Jody McVernon from the Doherty Institute uses a spinal tap analogy. We now have a vaccine, she says, that lowers the risk. We've been turning everything up to 11 for a very long time. We can actually start to turn the volume down because of this vaccine. And I think it's important that we actually step into this. It will take time for us to get used to this, but I think as God's people, It's actually important that we lead the way. In a time of anxiety, we can be a people of peace. We can be a people who draw near to God and find his comfort in these moments. I remember back in March last year when COVID was just hovering over the horizon, I got really anxious about it. I remember uh, the news items on the TV, and I remember thinking at the time that it felt like a movie, you know, the first 10 10 minutes of a pandemic movie where there's these stories from the other side of the world, but they're just on in the background. No one's noticing them. Everyone assumes it will pass, but this is a pandemic movie, so the audience knows that something's building. That's what I felt like in January and February, hearing reports from China and Italy. So by the time things had gotten to us, I've been reading about it and researching it and so on. And I remember one day really getting stressed out about it, really almost panicking, a deep anxiety, worrying about this thing, grappling with the thought that I could even die. Now, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that now, but I think it was really important for me. It made me consider the reality of death. We're all going to die, but death can feel very absent and remote to us. And yet, of course, as Christians, we live with the reality of death all the time. We know that this world is temporary and that our lives are short. James 4, we are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And so we live in the light of eternity. Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And we know that ultimately we don't have to fear death, that Jesus has died for our sin and risen again giving us new life. 1 Corinthians 15, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, I'm not saying that COVID is just going to go wild and lots of people are going to fall around dead around us. I'm not saying that. 
But that is the fear in our culture around us. And as Christians, we need to step into this. We need to live out our faith and to show this. We have a resurrection hope, the hope of new life, and we need to bring that hope into this life to be a people of peace and faith and confidence, Mm -hmm. to seek assurance from God about the future and then bring that into our present. Mm -hmm. There'll be a lot of anxiety around us in the coming months. But in the midst of that, we can be a people of realism and calm and hope. And hopefully people will ask us for the reason for that hope and we'll get to tell them about Jesus. So there's excitement and there's anxiety about coming back and reopening. But I also think that there will be feelings of hurt and exclusion as well. Normally, when we've been coming out of lockdown, I've been really excited Last year, when we came out of that long lockdown, the world was just so wonderful. But I can't get excited this time because not everyone is joining us. If someone is not fully vaccinated, they're barred soon from restaurants, retail, sporting events. Weirdly, this doesn't kick in until a couple of weeks. But then we're told that it'll be in place for all of 2022. Make no mistake. Something extraordinary is about to happen in our culture. 5% of our adult population, half a million people, will be excluded from our society. It's worth noting that the experts pretty much all agree that this is not necessary or ethical. They tell us that when we get to 90% double dose, uh, we just won't need this, and if we don't need it, we shouldn't do it. Tony Blakely, one of the most cautious of all the epidemiologists on the news, has said that at 90% we would be incredibly well protected and he says it would be unethical at that point to keep the people who are unvaccinated out of society. In fact, many health experts warn that it's counterproductive. Nick Coatsworth, the former Deputy Chief Medical Officer for Australia, suggests that it will actually harden people against vaccination and against the government. I was just talking to someone the other day. His family comes from a war-torn country where you learn not to trust the government. And so for his family, all this pressure just raises immense anxiety and suspicion. I'm really troubled by what's happening here. And I think worst of all is the kind of loose language being used around this issue. We're kind of almost being invited to view the unvaccinated as suspicious and dangerous, a threat to the rest of society. Now, this is a bit weird when you think about it. As someone said on Twitter the other day, the media are currently painting a bizarre picture, one where the vaccinated are protected from COVID but not protected from the unvaccinated. In fact, I'd actually say that the burden of risk lies with the vaccinated and not the other way around. As I said before, most people who get COVID when they're vaccinated have very few symptoms and can easily pass it on without even realising it. So, in fact, the only reason I could possibly imagine excluding people from certain spaces is that we could put them at risk. But instead, what we're seeing is a kind of scapegoating and excluding of the unvaccinated, as if they're letting the side down and they're not fit to be around other people. And as Christians, seeking the best for our city and our friends and our culture, I think we have to feel the ethical weight of this. We all know how hard 263 days of lockdown have been. Just imagine another year of being locked out. 
Now, of course, some people would say, well, there's an easy fix. Just get vaccinated. But it's not actually that easy. As I shared previously, there are many complex reasons for people not to get vaccinated. They're worried about side effects from the vaccines, either short or long term. In fact, many are just waiting for a different type of vaccine. Some have qualms of conscience about how the first generation of vaccines have been developed. Others are just uncomfortable with something being mandated and feel like they need to make a stand, not just for themselves, but for our society. And this is done with real conviction, with an understanding of the consequences. I know of a number of people who are giving up their work, their livelihoods on this matter. More than that, they're giving up their place in society for this. I also know of people who have been vaccinated, but only under great duress and fear. There are people then right now who are hurting. And as the people of God, we need to attend to this. We are the body of Christ and a part of us is hurting. So we should all hurt. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one member of the body suffers, all suffer together. All together. I love that line. And I want that to be the theme for us in the coming weeks and months. We are the people of God and we belong all together, all types of people, young and old, black and white, rich and poor, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Now, the laws in place at the moment mean we have to make some distinctions, but we hope and we pray that this will only be temporary. And while they're in place, we must actively work within them to maintain unity to be one people. As I said previously, this is a time for us to listen and to respect each other, to listen to other people in our church and to respect their position. If you're unvaccinated, please listen to the people around you. They want to make sure that you're safe. Like, honestly, I really hope you'll do it just to protect yourself. They hate the thought of you being excluded. And, yes, they also probably want to challenge you and to get you to think about how you can protect others. Philippians 2, let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. You need to listen to these uh, these thoughts. But also if you're vaccinated, please listen to those who are not. Understand why they've taken their stand. Recognise that they've thought about this deeply. In my experience, they've probably thought about this far more than anything that I've thought about. Make sure that they feel heard, and most of all, make sure that they feel affirmed and never excluded from God's people. This is a moment, I think, for us to truly grasp our identity in Christ as his people. We are one in Christ. Galatians 3, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, No male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus, and neither vaccinated nor unvaccinated, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And I want you to think about what that means, what it cost for Jesus to make us one. He died for us. He gave his life to make this real. He broke his body so that we might be come together as his body, the body of Christ. We must look after that. We must cherish and protect and celebrate and proclaim that. That's what Jesus calls us to do. John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we do that, people will notice. 
and we'll be able to proclaim God's greatness to those around us. We will truly be a city on a hill. As Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, we, the church, are the light of the world, a city on a hill that shines the light of God's truth and wisdom and love and welcome and kindness into the dark world around us. And as we do that, people will see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. This is a unique moment, and we have an opportunity to be powerfully different. There's lots of emotions clouding around, clouding us at this moment, excitement, anxiety, hurt, sadness. But in amongst that, I want us to make space for one other emotion. I want us to make space for expectancy and optimism because I think this could be a wonderful season for us. It's going to be different. It's going to be difficult at times. But this is also a time for us to grow and deepen in our understanding of who we are together in Christ and to proclaim that to the world. Where there is excitement, we can be thankful. Where there is anxiety, we can bring peace and perspective. Where there is division and suspicion, we can bring unity and trust. How about we pray? Father God, we come to you as your people. We thank you that we are one in Christ, that Jesus made this possible, that he broke his body so that we might be brought together to be the body of Christ in this world. We ask that over the coming weeks and months you might bless us and help us to live this out. Where there is anxiety, help us to be calm, to draw near to you and to find peace. Where there is excitement, help us to be thankful because you are the one who has made this possible. Where there is hurt and isolation and exclusion, may we show welcome and love and care. We're now going to continue praying. Our staff team is going to uh, now pray for us as a church, Uh, so I'll pass it on to them now as we continue. Father, thank you for your grace uh, that we may soon gather together again. How exciting it is that we'll be able to see those that we haven't seen for for weeks, for months, and that we'll be able to sing together, pray together, worship you together. Lord, this past season has reminded us of who you are, that you are a God who who loves fellowship, a God who loves community and wants it for us. Thank you that in this season uh, that we haven't been too far from each other, uh, able to see each other online. Um, Lord, and as we joyously look forward to next week, if by your will we can physically gather again for services across the weekend. We're excited for the opportunities uh, of bringing people old and new together. Uh, Lord, we're excited for the wonderful opportunities to serve you and your church. Uh, we're excited to praise you as a body together as one. Uh, thank you for reminding us that you are, a, you are our God who remains good uh, in all seasons. Lord, and give us a joy that comes only from your spirit uh, as we wait eagerly uh, to regather again. Uh, thank you, Lord. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can gather together as a church and pray. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to call on you, our King, our Light, and our Shepherd. Lord, there are many of us who are feeling really anxious at this time, anxious about less restrictions changes, um, the higher number of cases, the mandates, this work. There are so many things, Lord, that are plaguing our thoughts. And whatever the catalyst may be, all of these fears manifest our apprehensions about our future. 
but we cannot control or predict what will come. Thank you, Lord, that you know our tendencies toward anxiety, hence the many fear, fear nots in your word that you give us. Help us, Lord, to trust in you with our tomorrows, to not worry about tomorrow, for you care even for the birds and the flowers, creation with less worth than humanity whom you created in your own image. I was just reading this week about how Charles Spurgeon said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. Help us then, Lord, to continue to renew ourselves by spending time with you. Despite our changes, um, our attempts, sorry, to create security for ourselves with various things, we cannot eliminate the fears that plague us or silence the voices around us. Please forgive us, Lord, for placing confidence in our own devices. And help us to remember that you are a God who is all-knowing, unlimited, and you span all of eternity. So you are already before us. And you have said that you are always with us. Help us to call on you at all times, to remember your word, to remember who you are and not to be anxious. Help us to keep trusting you through all things. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in you, in Christ, we are one. We are one body. We thank you that in you we are united, uh, called to pursue peace and always move towards one another in love, just as you have towards us in your grace and mercy. Thank you, Father, that just as we have felt so accepted and included in you and through the body of Christ, we pray that our church, our services would display and reflect that deep sense of acceptance and welcome to all. Father, may that sense of acceptance and love all be seen in the way that we just interact and speak towards one another um, verbally and even non-verbally in the way we look at one another and serve one another um, in our actions and our words in a world that just somehow seems to be growing in division um, and exclusion. Would you and your grace just please remind us of who we all are, that we are your people, um, that we are one family, we belong together and are all are one in Christ. So would you reveal to us afresh today and every day forward just how loved and accepted we are in Jesus um, and awaken us to be again in awe and wonder of your accepting grace so that we would reflect that to one another. Help us help us really listen well to one another um, in this season. Help us respect one another. Help us move towards one another and help us pursue peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, amen. Lord, um, I, I just thank you so much for the ways that you've looked after us, that you've blessed us over this time, that you've uh, strengthened us even in our, our um in difficult patches and that uh, no matter what we've gone through, Lord, you've been our comfort and our strength. Um, we really thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that we've had um, while in lockdown still to be able to um, serve you and to uh, witness to others about you. Um, but, Lord, as we really look towards the, uh, the future as we're opening up, as we're getting more involved with those around us, with our church family and with, uh, with our community outside of that, we really pray for opportunities that we can bear witness. Um, Lord, I pray that there's opportunities for us to serve, that there's ways for us to help our community, our church community and those around us and to be able to really show your um, your love through the actions that we have and through the ways that we can take care of our community around us. Um, Lord, I pray for opportunities to tell people about you. I pray that there's uh, there's um, uh 
opportunities there for us to come alongside strangers and friends alike, Lord, that we can um, that we can uh, proclaim Christ's name to them, and that they're receptive. Um, Lord, we really continue to pray uh, and uh, and ask as we as we're struggling in this in a world that's becoming uh, more and more divisive, and as uh, as being a Christian. Um, uh, changes its meaning over time, Lord, uh, to, to the outside world. We pray that we're able to stand up against those things. We pray that there's opportunities for us to to, uh, to come alongside the person, Lord, and to really uh, show them your heart in these times. Um, Lord, more than anything, though, we just continue that we can uh, we can we can stand with you, that we can glorify you in all the things that we do. Uh, Lord, uh, help us. Uh, come together in unity as we go out, Lord, that we can be um, one body serving you and glorifying you, that we can be um, that we can be your bride, Lord, that we can be uh, devoted to you and devoted to the plans that you have ahead for us. Bless us, Lord, strengthen us in this time uh, and help us as we uh, get to this exciting time of being able to meet together again, um, that we can we can live in your comfort and your strength. Bless us in this time, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.